Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and joining me today is football analyst Jordan Weimer and we've got a special guest, football journalist Ryan Gray from the Watford Observer. And uh, well, Watford won for the sixth time in a row as they beat Sheffield Wednesday yesterday. Just the one goal that settled it in the end, uh, an own goal at that. Ryan, you, uh, you were at the game. How did it feel yesterday? It was, uh, it was really interesting. It was sort of the first game for a while where you really couldn't predict a lot of the starting 11 obviously the players have just come back from international break um, and one or two injuries as well question marks and so it was a interesting one from from the start and then it was a, a really scrappy game particularly in the second half I think um, but it was a professional performance they they got the goal early on and, and then saw it out and I think it was uh, you know the type of win you expect from a team who are, you know, in a in a positive moment as Watford are. Yeah. And Jordan, coming into this one, like Ryan said there, we were, we were a little bit worried that we, we might not be without Saar because obviously there was um, a bit of an injury that kept him out of the internationals. But thankfully, he was OK. He, he did pass a fitness test and uh, he was crucially important, especially uh, for the goal. Yeah, there's no real signs of uh, injury on him at all, whether he's seen pretty pretty comfortable he was moving around pretty well and um yeah I thought he looked good he's obviously he contributed heavily to the wind in the, in the end but um yeah I thought as a whole maybe the team looked a little bit a little bit lethargic maybe just weren't quite playing up to the pace that the tempo they, they were able to it's probably our most lethargic performance out of this kind of six six game win streak um but I, I thought on the whole you know we as it has kind of touched on there we've done enough to to push through and, and come away with the win and that's not necessarily a terrible thing being able to do that at a bit of a lower tempo, especially when we've got a game in just a couple of days. So, yeah, I think all all in all, it's pretty positive. Yeah, and you uh, you did quite a bit of research uh, into Sheffield Wednesday ahead of the uh, ahead of the game. If you want to still catch up with that, you can do. It's the uh, the bonus pod that the, the one just before this one. Um, did Sheffield Wednesday play in the manner that you expected them to, and how did Watford cope with that? Yeah, I think they I think they tried to. Um, I, I thought they might have been a little bit more. A little bit more direct to Patterson on the right. Um, I, I thought they might have tried to target Alamassan a little bit more than they did. But what they did try and do is definitely play through Barry Bannon, which is always going to be you know, a priority for them because he is their he is their quality in midfield. And I, I thought he was actually, actually very good yesterday. Um, he was just a little bit unfortunate. He didn't really have quite the outlet that he needed. 
Um, I think what we did do to compensate for that, I think we played quite a high line, um, which made it quite difficult. Jordan Rhodes isn't someone that's going to be you know, running channels and, and finding the ball in, in then kind of wide areas or higher higher up the pitch. So I think playing that high line does give you some give you some room there. Um, keeps Jordan Rhodes out the box, and that's kind of the main priority when you're trying to defend against Sheffield Wednesday. I think I think Windass was maybe. I maybe had a little bit more of a concern that he'd be able to stretch us, but he wasn't really that effective yesterday, I thought. So I think we controlled them well. Um, I think we could have done some things better. I thought we could have controlled some some areas of the midfield a little bit. We could have been a little bit smarter in there, maybe a little bit more patient and yeah. maybe a little more incisive. But I think as a as a whole, I thought we kind of did a pretty good job of nullifying Sheffield Wednesday. Um, they did get a few chances as the game went on. I thought we kind of started to creep back a little bit, which obviously can happen when you're protecting that lead. But for me, I thought we looked more comfortable when we were being a little bit more aggressive and, and making it so Barry Bannon had very few options. We know he's capable of playing forwards long and very accurately, but if there's if it's a one-on-one battle race between most of our back four and that kind of front three of players... I'm feeling pretty confident most of the time. So I think once we started to drop off, that was maybe when we invited a little bit too much pressure for my liking. Ryan, one nil was always a dangerous scoreline as uh, as Norwich found out to their peril and to our uh, happiness uh, yesterday. But um, did you ever feel as though Watford were in danger with just the one nil scoreline? Um, not really. I mean, the, there was um, the one chance in, in the first half of Windass where uh, Backman came out and made a good block. But other than that, it's, you know, you really struggling to, to think of moments where they really caused Watford significant problems. Jordan Rhodes had that snapshot, didn't he, where Siralta headed a, a, a cross sort of into his path and it kind of caught him by surprise. But in terms of creativity, there wasn't a lot on show from Sheffield Wednesday. And I think that's, you know, down to Watford's defensive work. And, and you know, you, you mentioned the impact Ismail Assar had in, in creating the goal, but I think defensively he was as good as anyone else yesterday. He, he worked his socks off off the ball. That was something you know that you could definitely see inside the ground. I don't know how well that came across on on Hive Live or however you watched it. Um, so it was a, a battling performance certainly, and, and one where everyone dug in and, and did a lot of work off the ball that perhaps you know they haven't had to do for for quite a while. Do you think they suffered at all by not having Darren Moore um, at the ground? Because, of course, he was uh, out because of COVID-19. And so it, it fell to assistant manager Jamie Smith to sort of be in charge of Sheffield Wednesday. And I suppose that kind of rocks the way that they're they're going in terms of just not having that support on the sidelines that they normally would do. Yeah, it was. Um, so Jamie found out the, the morning before the game. So it, it was quite last minute that, that he knew that he would be in charge today. I know Darren Moore was in contact with the the Wednesday bench during the game but it you know it it does always have an effect and there is always just that maybe a delay and or you know a lack of understanding between Darren Moore at home and, and the bench and, and what they actually wanted the message they're trying to convey to the players on the pitch so it's always going to have a, a bit of an effect but I think um I think Watford were were just you know the better team and I don't think Darren Moore being there would have had too much of an impact, if any, on the scoreline. And I spoke also um, just a moment ago, Jordan, about how results elsewhere have, uh, have have gone our way this weekend. And it, it looks like one might potentially go our way ag- again. Uh, currently, it's 1-1 uh, in the Brentford game. Um, yesterday, it finished 1-1 Preston and Norwich. Um, Birmingham beat Swansea. I mean, 
you know, we we were, we were looking at the at the Swansea and and you know Norwich and also Brentford fixtures, and we didn't really identify the games they're currently playing as ones that we thought they might slip up at. But I guess it just proves that, you know, it, you know, football is very fickle. You never really know what's going to happen, even if you you kind of try and predict, you know, which games are going to be harder. And you know, teams at the minute are, are slipping up. Oh, massively. I think. I mean, in our preview kind of podcast we did during that international break, just kind of discussing them final fixtures. I think we're quite clear about the fact that I think all these, both these teams in Swansea and Brentford, they have they have the ability to slip up definitely, uh, especially Swansea. You know, we've discussed numerous times they're overachieving massively. I thought they looked very poor again yesterday against Birmingham. Um, the Brentford Huddersfield game has just finished now, so that did finish one-one, um, which is obviously very good too. Um, but for me, Swansea, I think are going to be falling off. I think they've got to be. You know they've got to be kind of looking at the the teams coming up behind them now more than anything because I I just don't see the performance there producing enough and enough points over the rest of the season it's just not going to happen to me. Um, but Brentford that's a little bit of a different story. What we did discuss though is they are susceptible to to teams that are quite direct. They they can struggle to get out of their own box at times. And whilst Huddersfield aren't the most threatening, it does show you that there's some frailties there. So a one-one draw. I mean. Another thing we think we discussed in that preview too is if they if them teams around us are dropping points at this stage, then those final games, the pressure that goes onto them, especially in the ones that we're away from home, I really just fancy us in those situations. So obviously it's a positive result, um, but I just think it's I think it's huge psychologically. It's, it's really difficult to come back from for those two teams. Mm, a nine point gap now between uh, Watford, Brentford, and Swansea. Obviously they both still have that game in hand, but. Um, even if they were to win that, it would be just a six-point gap. I mean, obviously, it's still on Watford to you know to keep on the pressure and, and just keep doing what they're doing. But it's certainly it's certainly looking good for the Hornets now, Ryan. Yeah, it is, and I think Watford playing earlier yesterday really did contribute to that. You know, psychologically, when uh, last night Swansea and and this afternoon Brentford lacing up their boots, knowing how far they were behind and how much that gap had been extended even with those games in hand as, as you said you know it, it is still a lot to you know try and get yourself up for and and they're faltering at just the right time while Watford are quietly going about their own business and a few weeks ago you'd have looked at those final fixtures where Watford are playing Norwich Swansea and Brentford among the final four fixtures of the season and you'd have thought they, they could well be must-win games and now you look at them and think well if Watford can just even get a draw from from those three games, you know, from from each of them, then that is probably going to be enough. You'd, you'd have to say, I, I think. Yeah, and um, with Norwich now back to back draws, some you know Watford fans are looking at and thinking, you know, can Watford even get top spot here? Can Norwich be caught? Yeah, and there's there's every chance. I mean, Watford do have to play Norwich as well, so that's you know one game in which they they could further further peel back that gap and. You know, you mentioned Norwich are starting to slip up a little bit. Maybe they're getting a little bit complacent. They've already got 84 points. 83 was enough to go up last season, I think. So they're, they're probably already there or thereabouts. And it's, you know, maybe a touch of complacency or, or you know, a bit of nervousness trying to finish off the job. But they're, they're certainly there to be caught. There's, there's enough time. I think it also shows, too, after the international break, how difficult it can be. 
I mean, we're the only team out of that top four that actually come away with three points yesterday. And it's not easy to bounce back from that break. And especially when you kind of try to build that momentum, you kind of want them games to keep coming at that regular pace to kind of just keep moving. As soon as you have that pause, it's difficult to bounce back from. So I think that's why it was so important yesterday. I thought the result maybe kind of was better than the actual performance on the pitch. But that's absolutely fine at this stage, um, especially with that next game coming up that's that's the one we've got to be targeting to kind of get back to our normal performance level or what we've perceived as being normal over the last five games yeah um talk us for a couple of uh standout performances then fr- from that game ryan that you were you're were watching who do you think um really excelled in a yellow shirt yesterday well i've, I've already mentioned Saar, and yeah. i think just just from the point of view that he was you know an injury doubt until sort of the very last minute and then for him to come and produce the the performance that he did, I thought was brilliant. But uh, I was really impressed with Nathaniel Chalabar as well. Again, he's it's it's. I think it's since he's been given the captain's armband, he seems to have really taken to the responsibility and and really grown with it. And it's it's really interesting to see him. But off off the ball yesterday, he was as as good as anyone. The, the his work rate and I thought he uh, he was a, a real standout yesterday once again. Yeah, I think he was yeah very good. I mean, this this kind of spell, this unbeaten run that we've gone through has been been really kind of a, a turning point for Chalaba. He's looked so so much better. He's looked felt like he's playing with so much more freedom, and he looks relaxed. And I think he's taken that responsibility of captaincy really well. I, I just think he's he's done exceedingly well to kind of turn around that corner and, and improve to the manner that he has done. Um, I, I think also Daniel Backman, I thought yesterday was pretty good. Uh, he didn't have tons of saves to make, but I thought he was quite quite aggressive coming off his line I thought he was quite dominant in his box um, I thought that was pretty positive um, and yeah I mean I think Ismail Asar again as, as Ryan's saying there the defensive work rate was outstanding and his also his, also his commitment to get forwards is, is great too so I think you can take a lot of positives from some of those individual performances yesterday for sure Perhaps one of the surprises about the starting lineup yesterday was the fact that Success um, got himself another start obviously been working hard in training um, what did we see from him Jordan do you think that he's Showing the you know the potential that he had earlier on in his career, or you know, where sort of is he at the minute with um with his performances for Watford? Uh, he wasn't as sharp as yesterday. I think that's fair to say. Um, it was interesting that he kind of, he played that central role from the beginning, um, rather than playing off that left hand side and maybe allowing Jao Pedro to continue in that in that centre position. Uh, I thought he maybe struggled a little bit to to kind of get up to the rhythm. His chance that he had where he took the touch over the defender I actually thought was a little bit unfortunate he got a fair bit of criticism for that but I thought it was actually a good touch to get away from the defender and just chip the ball over and he was unfortunate not to be able to follow up with the shot but um, in general I thought his play was very mixed I thought he grew into the game Um, there's a period towards kind of before he came off where a ball came over top and he had a really nice flick on header through to Jao Pedro and he started to look like he was maybe catching up with the rhythm a little bit but uh, ultimately he wasn't quite up to the performance level that he kind of needed to be at this point. But then having said that, a lot of players weren't quite up to their top level yesterday either. So I think there's still there's still improvement to, to be made there. Um, and you can have, I think you've got to have a little bit of sympathy for his situation he's been in. He's been out for a long, long time. Um, so I think he needs those minutes. Um, but then you have got other options on the bench, which you know I'm sure that you can make an argument for Andre Gray to start, or even Stipe Perich has been kind of left out in the cold too. Yeah. Um, which is I'm in, I'm interested to, to kind of I'll be interested to know why that is the case. I'm not sure if that's anything that's been asked to uh, Shishko Ryan, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what's going on there because that seems like an option that's just kind of been pushed to the side now, which is a little bit of a shame because there's lots of promising signs early on. Yeah, we've we've asked sort of in in 
in many different ways of phrasing it um, about his his attacking options and and one thing uh, that has been sort of quite prevalent from from what Cisco's been saying recently is that he really does see something in success and and you know we can see that from the fact he started the last two games and I thought yesterday he his link at play was very good and he, he brought others into the game very well it's just that you know that final bit of sharpness that he still needs but you know when he has been out for so long you, you can't have some sympathy with that but in terms of Perizza I think he you know just is is down the pecking order I think that's all it is we've asked uh, about whether he's injured or, or you know whether there's something there and there's there's no as far as I'm aware no injury I think it is just a fact that there are that many options for for Munoz to choose and of course when he's looking at his options for the bench as well he wants to put together a, a balanced set of substitutes and it's just a, a casualty of of that more than anything but um you know whenever we do ask Munoz about why he is or isn't using an option he he always says that each player will will have an important part to play and and you know it's it's about them taking their opportunities when it comes and it's just you know whether whether he will get that opportunity between now and the end of the season you'd you'd say there's probably going to be very limited chances for him yeah it's a shame because he's not the you know i mean you talk about link play there it's maybe kind of not his strong suit i think maybe he kind of gets mislabeled a little bit as a target man because of his size but I do think he offers something from a goal scoring perspective. I think it's a shame that he's not included. I can understand, as you're saying, the balance on the bench is something you've got to get right. Um, but it is surprising to me a little bit that um, success is further up that pecking order because we have seen some quality from Pritchard this season, whereas success has obviously returned from injury and you know he's, he's kind of not been the most consistent in terms of his career at Watford. So maybe it's the mobility, which is maybe a, a bit of a factor um, that's playing a part here. But uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. I don't think, it, as things stand, as you're saying, I don't think it's really looking likely that Perich is going to be too involved as the season goes on unless we were to have some unfortunate injuries. Obviously, there's an injury to Jao Pedro yesterday, which remains to be seen how serious that was. But uh, as things stand, it kind of looks like he's just out in the cold a little bit. Yeah, did Cisco um, uh, give any light to that uh, injury after the after the game at all, Ryan? Yeah, he, he said um, they'd be checking up on it again today. Um, he said initially it didn't look like too big a problem, but what that means is is anyone's guess, and and you know it's you can have a, a, a an injury where it, at first it doesn't look quite bad, and then after a scan it, it reveals something else. So it is just a case of of waiting and seeing with that one, and I'm sure we'll find out before before too long. I don't know if we'll find out before Monday. I doubt Pedro will play on Monday. Uh, I think that's pretty certain but um yeah it's 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 just one that we need to wait for i think i think the fortunate thing is just watching it back there was no obviously a bigger sphere in that situation is ankle ligament because it's coming off holding his ankle and no boot on kind of being helped off the pitch uh, your initial worry is that ligament damage from a roll of the ankle and looking back there was no there was no roll so you'd assume it's a it's a contact injury where you know worst case scenario break but good chance is just heavy impact bit of swelling needs to kind of come down and hopefully he'll be out for the monday game and then back thereafter which would be massively important for us obviously have to remain to be remains to be seen because anything could have happened you know maybe not able to be picked up in the video but initial look at it seems that it's not going to be one that's going to keep him out for a long time hopefully 
yeah, it looked pretty innocuous, didn't it? It was just a, a coming together with, with, I think it was Patterson, and he just went down and then didn't get back up, and, and Ken was brought off the bench pretty quickly. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be too much of a problem, maybe sort of two or three weeks at, at a, you know, a, a hazarding, I guess. It'd be interesting to see how he how we go forwards for just the game against Middlesbrough if Pedro definitely is out, which he obviously seems like he most likely will be. Whether Ken Semmer will just come straight back in and will continue with success for the centre, or if we'll kind of look at maybe starting Andre Gray, it'd be be interesting to see. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'd like to see Zinkenagel given a chance on the wing as well. I know he's done okay in the centre. I didn't think yesterday was. Uh, a game that allowed him to play to his strengths, and I think you know whenever we've spoken to him, he's he's always said that that's his preferred position and and that's where he wants to play. And I think it's it's something that okay maybe now now isn't the best time for for Munoz to be experimenting, but it would be good to see what he has to offer there. I think. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's he's been extremely productive from the wing, and we've seen a lot of his a lot of his good moments, even playing from that central position, have been when he's drifted out wide to to get a delivery in from that area. So I think, yes, there was a little bit unfortunate. I think it's a difficult team to kind of pull apart. They sat quite deep at times and they were pretty compact as that back five. And I think maybe we made it a little bit too easy for them defensively um, in terms of our movement up front. I thought success kind of being quite central um, on and pushing quite high up on them centre-backs he doesn't really give you much of an advantage if you have then three players around him. You, you haven't got that space to look for him, and it's it's maybe something you've got to try and avoid a little bit more when playing those back threes. I thought at least we may be able to get the ball wide. Once Ken Semmer on, we had a little came on. We had a little bit more, a little bit more width. Maybe Pedro didn't quite occupy that left hand side as much as we'd have, have liked. Um, but I think Zinkenegel found it difficult yesterday to to look for his teammates and he, he's a creative midfielder. If you're going to play him in that central area, you want him being in a situation where he can, he can be creative. And I thought yesterday just didn't really suit that. Maybe, maybe seeing him from, from wide areas might be, might be an option. It might be something that gives him a little bit more joy in, in, in games that are similar to that one. Another three points then for, uh, for Zisco Munoz. And um, I, I don't know if you've seen this, Ryan, but um, the times reported a few days ago, they, they reported that Zisco Munoz will, will be, um, you know, sacked in the summer, even if he achieves promotion to the Premier League. And um, two managers that uh, Watford are, are looking at are, are Frank Lampard and, and Chris Wilder as, as potential options to replace him. What, what's your opinion on that, Ryan? I think it's, you know, a bit early to say from from what I gather, there is um, the, the issue with Cisco is obviously around his coaching badges and the the need to have that pro license to, to coach in the Premier League. Um, there has been some previous cases, and I can't remember off the top of my head which one. I think Gareth Southgate is is one of Gareth those. Southgate. That's yes. Who um, you can apply for special dispensation if you can prove extenuating circumstances have prevented you from getting that license. And certainly, I think you know the the last year would qualified certainly for that so it's it is interesting and I think it's it's one to watch um but I think it would be very very harsh to to not give him a go if you know if he does get them there and certainly the way he he will have got them there the the last 10 games have been you know superb and you know he I think he really deserves uh, a crack at it if they go up and you know it's it's easy to say that because he doesn't have that license, then he might not be able to. But 
I think there are ways ways around it, and I think you know Watford would look to find a way around it because I I, I think they would want to keep the positivity he's certainly brought definitely as, as as well as the the results on the pitch because whenever you ask the players about him they're always really really enthusiastic about him they all seem to have bought into his philosophy and his idea and they're they're playing very much as a team with a clear shared vision which they weren't really doing under Ivic and certainly they really struggled to do last season so I think it would be incredibly harsh to to not give him a go. Watford have done this before though of course with uh, Jukanovic when he got them up. Yes they have and uh, you know you can you can never really second guess what the uh, the hierarchy are going to do can you it's a, a very difficult thing to try and try and predict but I just think I mean, the season under Jukanovic was was very positive as well. You'd have to say, the the way they went about it and the way they went up that season was terrific. And to maybe a bit harsh to not give him a go, but I just think the fans all seem really on board with with what they're seeing from their team and what they're seeing from the head coach as well. And I think it would be a, a massive risk to to do it again. I think there's an element of risk for keeping him too, though. That that is the thing. It's it's a difficult the way we're playing is difficult to translate to Premier League and be effective unless you make some serious personnel upgrades we're going to have to adapt um, it's just going to have to adapt in the, in the manner in which we approach games so it kind of remains to be seen as to how much the, the hierarchy believe that he can do so if, if he is in fact able to to coach in the Premier League so I think we can't rule it out um, we can't rule out the idea that, that they might look to move on from him or, or bring in something different. And it's something we've discussed numerous times before and we discussed in the preview podcast and and when we talked about Shishko in general is mm. the, the, the Pozzos are are in favour of trying to find that coach that fits the situation they're currently in. Yeah, it's um, a lot it's a lot less of an issue for them, isn't it, to um to sort of stick with one coach if that coach doesn't appear to be right for the the new style that they feel they need to play in order to get the goals they want to achieve and I suppose yeah it's a completely different goal that needs to be achieved in the Premier League than it is to the one in the championship which probably requires a different style of football and maybe therefore a different style of head coach well and I mean our entire club our entire club is set up in a way to facilitate a changing of head coach with as limited of an effect as possible obviously that's kind of that's kind of we've had varying degrees of success with that but that's why we have the infrastructure we do in terms of consistent members of staff around the club which aren't affected by the changing of head coach so we are set up to be able to do that because that's the nature of the game coaches move on and yes we're a little bit faster with doing so than other teams but you know if you ha- if you build a team around one coach if you look to kind of set that as your future then it can be as equally or if not more damaging when that eventually does kind of part ways whether that's due to the coach not performing or another club being interested and then you know you know the situations that happen with their coaches so being prepared for that situation is good and being able to change and, and adapt to what you require at that time I think is also useful so it kind of it's a double-edged sword really but for me I, I think you have to kind of have an open mind to to the possibility of that happening if it does happen based on who they bring in it's not necessarily a negative it's just kind of you know, it's a, it's a it's a tactic to survive because it's going to be a very different task. As you say, Matt, it's not going to be a case of going up and trying to replicate the kind of performances we had in in the championship. And mm. you can go that way, but it's very very difficult to succeed with it. And we've seen that in you know various examples of that. Norwich being kind of one of the most recent. Yeah, 
although Leeds seem to have adapted quite well playing a similar style of football than they played last season. So, I, I mean, clearly it, it can be done. Leeds are, yeah, they, they it can be done. Uh, and I think it does benefit you in that second season if you can stay up. The difficulty of staying up, Leeds obviously have, I mean, Bielsa, they've got a very unique coach and I think he his way of playing is so aggressive. Not not many coaches would take that risk and I think he's he's a really, really good manager. I think that, that does help. And he was very, very good for the championship too. I think Shishka, I've, I've, I do like Shishka a lot. He, I think he's made some improvements. And I think we've started to see kind of some of his ability, coaching ability come through and in the performance on the pitch as time's gone on. And I think he's done a really, really good job of kind of getting that team working. Um, but it, it we don't know. This, he's still an unknown quantity in a lot of ways. Um, going into the season with him as head coach, there'd be a lot of questions. I'm not saying he couldn't, perform I'm not saying he couldn't adapt but there is an unknown and if there's an unknown for us I'm, I'm sure there's still a relative there's a relative unknown for the, for the ownership too because it, it's very hard to say it, it's, it's difficult at this point so they might feel comfortable more comfortable going with a different coach it's just a just mm. a possibility we have to consider and in terms of who that that coach could be the, the times themselves have, have said that both Frank Lampard and Chris Wilder are two options the board are looking at now I mean, that's surprising to me. I'm not sure where they've got their sources from, but um, Watford are very rarely uh, linked to, to English coaches. And, and also, I'd imagine that Frank Lampard would be quite an expensive option. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't feel like one that the that the club would go for, but that that's who they've they've listed here. Perhaps they've just gone to the um the list of managers that are currently out of work and been like, oh, yeah, they've been in the Premier League before, so it'll be one of those two. But um, I don't know how they've they've decided that, Ryan. Yeah, it's it's you know it, they'll they'll have they've got their story from from somewhere, I imagine. But I, th- I think out of those two, you'd say Wild is probably the more realistic option because I don't think Lampard gives you much more than what you have with with Cisco he was always you know with with Chelsea he was quite good at attacking but defensively he he really struggled to to get his team in order and I think you know as as you mentioned next season if they do go up then defensively they're going to need to be really really solid and I don't think Frank Lampard is probably the person to do that whereas Chris Wilder has proven that that that's an area of the game he he can develop and can you know can work with but it's you know it's all ifs and buts at the minute isn't it 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 relies on x happening and 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 y happening before all these different bits start to to go into motion so i think it's one to to monitor now rather than you know sort of look at with any degree of of definitiveness yeah i I think on the surface i think frank lampard would be really uninspiring for me personally i don't think it would be i think as ryan's saying there i don't think you're looking at a huge upgrade there from shishko at least with Chris Wilder, you, you kind of you can see where they're coming from there. Obviously, he had success in that first season over Sheffield in the Premier League, but he's he's been excellent over the last few years at Sheffield. They've really developed a culture at the club, and they've they, he would be someone good to look at. He's, he's a good example of someone to look at if you're talking about kind of building an identity throughout the club. I think that's something he can achieve. Um, it depends whether we're willing to kind of take on that task i'm not sure if wada would be as interested in, in us as the, the model we use i think he'd want a little bit more control than we're possibly given um but i can see the benefits there at least in in wada but frank lampard for me is yeah not so and not not so tempting 
Good stuff. Um, off the uh, the the pitch, then um, there's been a few uh, Watford stories, um, in particular pertaining to where Watford's new home could be if if they were going to to, to set about leaving Vicarage Road. And uh, the Watford Observer have done a little piece on this, Ryan. Um, do you want to sort of give us a bit of background to this and explain what the current situation is? Well, the current situation is uh, a lot of speculation. Um, so last year it was revealed that there had been some pre-planning advice sought from Watford regarding that site at Bushy Hall. Um, Now some extra plans have been revealed. Um, The the club are keen to stress that none of the the plans that have come out either last year or the ones that have come out this year are from the club. They're from third parties. So what's come out this week is Hartsmere are putting together their prospective um, local plan. And for that, they need people who can put together potential employer packages or, or, or you know, something in that realm. It was my colleague who did this story, so you'll have to forgive me because I've been looking at it from a, a different point of view, which I will get to in a second. Um, so they've put forward this proposal, which they've said potentially could be for Watford um, for this 33,000 stadium, seater stadium, as well as this arena and cinema and et cetera, et cetera, and, and routes into the area. So... You know they're they're thinking very very carefully about this. Someone is obviously working very hard on producing these designs, and they're from um, a development group who aren't Watford. Now there's no clear connection between them and Watford yet. Um, so you know it's 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 interesting because there's a lot of work being done on that site with regards to these plans and everything now. Where I've been looking at is is Watford's relationship with Watford Borough Council. I've been told, and I'm I'm working on putting something together to hopefully put out next week. Um, but I've been told that Watford are still in close discussions with Watford Borough Council, and Watford Borough Council are really keen to keep the team in the town. That's that's what they want to do. Now, the question here that arises is why then is so much work being done to produce these these plans and, and these you know these sketches and, and things for this site at Bushy Hall when Scott Duxbury himself has said that they are still keen to to stay in the town. The the borough council are keen to keep them in the town as well. There's obviously some something in the way and of of them you know of them really going ahead with this because we know that development and and a bigger stadium is something that the club want and for now financially that's probably not hugely viable until they get back into the premier league and that may be one of the reasons why you know a lot of work isn't or the club aren't putting any plans forward themselves or whatever but it's it's really interesting to see a lot of work being done on one area while the club and the council are both saying that you know they would 
if they can, they would prefer to stay in the town centre. Mm. So this plan, it's um, it's a proposal at the minute, I suppose, but uh, it's split into a couple of different phases. The first phase, phase one, would basically introduce, um, I believe, a, a, a sort of 80 to 100 bed care home that's been mooted, um, a nine hole golf course. So there's already a sort of an 18 hole one there. So they'd sort of probably redesign it and, and turn it into a nine hole golf course and then in the second phase the one that um is the one that's sort of pricking up the ears of Watford fans potentially um a, a 33,000 carbon neutral stadium that um they believe Watford would be potential occupants for um along with another um sort of a arena a 6,000 seater indoor arena which um would sort of house things like um, concerts and, and the like. Um, and then there's other things that they're planning as well, things like a cinema, restaurants, uh, a Go Ape course has been has been touted as well, as well as um, various things like uh, sort of casual football pitches and and a, a bit of a, a country park as well. So, I mean, it sounds like a, a, a big, a big, big development. And um, speculation already is saying it's between, you know, sort of 250, 300 million that, that, that potentially could be, spent on this i mean it's it sounds like a, a really a really massive undertaking yeah and financially you have to think about where that would come from as well i don't think the club would be in a position where they'd be able to put that forward themselves and so there's there's definitely a question there about who would they team up with to to fund this project and you know it there's definitely merit in getting a stadium that is also a 365 day a year revenue stream of revenue by having the the, the arena and the, the cinema and everything but it's a case of, of who would help them achieve that and that's something else that I think needs to be looked into and, and cleared up as well. Jordan what's your what's your opinion I mean there are certainly advantages um, I, I suppose uh, a new stadium would mean that um, you could get more fans in um, if it was built to the the, the 33,000 they're talking about um in terms of the location it is probably more or less the same sort of distance from the center of Watford that the current Watford stadium is it's certainly closer to the the Watford train station but one of the you know obviously the biggest disadvantages is of course Watford have played for so long at, at Vicarage Road it, it really is their home and for for a lot of fans it would be almost you know destroying something that they love so much. And, and I imagine that the, the Vicarage Road Stadium would be probably demolished and, and turned into housing or flats or something along along that line. Um, you know, it's never easy for, for any football team when they, when they have to leave. But um, I suppose you have to weigh up the different advantages and, and disadvantages if this uh, sort of idea was even to come to fruition. Yeah, I think you do. And I mean, obviously, it's difficult because obviously we all have an emotional attachment to to Vickers Road and I think it's probably a bigger deal for the for the for the fans than it is the kind of playing staff and and what have you. But if you're developing as a club and it's a way of kind of pushing forward then then yeah, it's it's something you might have to look at. And I mean, there are definitely benefits to it. For me personally, obviously I'm I'm a fan for first and foremost. So it would be difficult to move away from Vicarage Road, I think. But I can see the I can see the idea behind it. The thing is, there's been so many examples of, of teams moving away from their ground. It's not really kind of it feels kind of somewhat sterile, and mm. you don't have that history there. And perhaps you you lose a little bit of your identity, and maybe it's harder to connect with with the club. Which is obviously, I think that being brought up at this point of the season, when I don't think anyone could really feel 
too much more disconnected from their club right now and you aren't able to go to games and there's no fans in the stadium and it's it all seems like it's a little bit of arm's arm's length away from us as it is right now um so maybe that thought at this time is making it a little bit harder um but i think i think most of the people feel the same way um as that in the sense that it just seems like it's taken away a little bit of the uh the club they kind of know and love which is obviously difficult to, to come to terms with Ryan, do you think Watford need a new stadium in order to grow, or, or is it possible to to to, to regenerate the the current Vicarage Road Stadium? I'm not sure if 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 it would be possible to build it to to a higher attendance. I don't I don't know I don't know if if, it, if it's possible to 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 add to it. I mean, I know that there initially there were plans that um that the current sort of uh, at least that main stand that they that they sort of redid has the potential to be expanded i believe but um whether it could get up to thirty three thousand, i don't know does it even need to be thirty three thousand? i don't know i mean i suppose if if you're looking to grow then you assume that your attendance and fan base will grow with that and so i suppose there needs to be some kind of scope for it but um what's your, what's your opinion ryan well i think if, if you're expanding you want it to be a worthwhile expansion you can't just you know i think adding an extra 2,000 seats, for example, isn't really worth the effort, is it? You, you need it to be worthwhile. Um, in terms of feasibility, a lot of it is relying on the redevelopment of the hospital next to Vicarage Road. Mm. Um, whether those plans help or hinder Watford in, in potentially adding extra seats to, to the current stadium is not really known. Um so that's something that also needs to be looked into. There's so many different parts of this that, that need further analysis. Um, so that's sort of my remit for the next few weeks, I think, to, to really do some digging into this. But in terms of feasibility, I think I'm right in saying that the uh, Sir Elton John stand has the potential to go upwards a bit more. Mm, um, that's what I thought as well. But other than that, it is it is difficult to see because you've got the wraparound flats at the back of the uh, the rookery, and yeah. then the opposite side, the Bickeridge Road end. Well, there's the road there, and so you can't really go further out into that. And so it it is just they they are crammed into that really tight space, and there isn't much room to to go further back. And and you know you would talk about going higher on top of um, the uh, Sir Elton John but it's how much higher can you go um, probably not high enough to add those 10,000 extra seats so it's just a case of where can you put them mm-hmm. um, and you know it could be that the club are identifying other sites still in the town we don't know yet if if those are conversations that have been had but we I've been told last week that Watford are still in very close discussions with Watford Borough Council and Watford Borough Council really are keen to keep them in the town centre. So, um, I mean, it it's it's in their interest to keep them in the town centre because the the site at Bushy Hall is under um, Hartsmere Borough Council rather than um, oh, rather than Watford so it would take a, a lot of revenue away from Watford Borough Council were the team to leave so it's very much in their interest to to keep them there it's just whether or not the, the right agreement can be found I suppose and it's a question of where those discussions are at at the minute 
certainly uh, one to keep our eye on, and I'm sure it will be uh, talked about more post uh, the championship season, hopefully post a uh, Watford winning championship season, or at least a Watford promoting championship season. Back to the football then, and uh, Watford are about to begin the first of um, five out of seven fixtures that are going to be against teams that are in the top 10. I think this is probably really the crunch time now. Middlesbrough up next. And um, I mean, after, you know, playing playing the likes of Birmingham and and Sheffield Wednesday, who are sort of lower down in the table and, and struggling at the minute, it's uh, it's going to be a, a tougher test, I think, against Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a difficult one there. It obviously lost their last outing, but uh, I, I do think they're going to offer a little bit more than what we faced recently, especially away from home. I think it'll be quite a tough game. Um, but I mean, we do have a little bit of pressure taken off with the results around us this weekend. But I think it's important to come away from from that game with something. Um, I think I look at it very similar. For, uh, it's very similar to the, to the previous time we're in this situation in the Championship over an Easter weekend. If you come out of this these two games with at least five, uh, at least four points, then I think that is good enough. Obviously, we want that. We want to be targeting that three. But I think the important thing is we come away without a loss. That's that's priority number one. Neil Warnock, the uh, the manager, obviously at, at Middlesbrough. He uh, he keeps going, doesn't he, Neil? He's uh, you know. He's a, he's, a, he's an elderly guy now at 72, but, um, you know, he's still a very decent coach and um, it certainly his team shouldn't be taken lightly, Ryan. No, definitely not. And, you know, up until the, they lost yesterday, didn't they, Middlesbrough? But they were they were sort of starting to, to knock on the door of those playoff places a little bit. Um, and so the, they haven't had a terrible season at all by, by any means. And, you know, Neil Warnock is... Uh, He's he's had the career he, he's had because he's you know because he's not a bad coach and certainly at this level he uh, he knows what he's doing doesn't he and that's uh, something that that Cisco will uh, will need to bear in mind I think Jordan you're going to do a, a piece for us uh, sort of previewing the Middlesbrough game but is there any are there any little uh, glimmers or, or or little I don't know insights you can give us now that uh, just to sort of get our appetite ready for that that uh, that yeah. Point? I- they're quite an interesting one to look at. They they have quite a lot of rotation. They they change shape a fair bit game to game. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the back three against us. Um, but they have played with the back three, back four. Personnel changes quite a lot. Um, key man for me who I'm going to look at quite a lot is actually Paddy McNair. I'm, I know a lot of people will remember from his time at Man United in Sunderland, but he's he's quite an interesting one. He's He can play centre-back, centre-midfield, and he's quite dangerous in possession and someone that carries the ball quite well, so he might be one to just keep an eye out for, but obviously go into more detail um, in the in the separate podcast. But I think they're going to be quite tricky. I think maybe they're a little bit looked at as just being a, a direct team because Neil Warnock's a manager, but I think they're actually kind of a little bit more advanced than, than what they might look at on the surface. So it's definitely going to be, definitely going to be more to look into on that one. And Ryan, you highlighted um, when we were talking about the, the previous game that um, you thought Watford benefited from having the earlier game. Uh, this game is, is a 12-30 kickoff, so they'll be playing again before everybody else. Um, do you think that will help them again? I think it will if they win, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, psychologically, it does to, to for the other teams to just look at the table and see that gap bigger, even even though they have a, a chance to sort of knock it back a little bit. It still, you know, it, it still does have an advantage. And I think if if they can get the get the win, then it will have the same effect and and possibly you know put even more pressure on on the teams around them. And that's that's what they need to keep doing. That's what they've been doing very well. Just every single win that they keep picking up is is increasing the pressure on those teams around them to perform and 
you know, they're all starting to crack a little bit. Duncan, what one of the key players to uh, to look at as well? Probably Jordan. You know, he's the, the, the top goal scorer. Yeah, they, they've got some. They've got some threat there. Um, they're quite a they're quite a robust team uh, in general, really. So I, I think it's going to be quite a, a tough test for us. And it's going to be interesting to try and work out what we're going to be facing because, as I said, there's some rotation there and there's, there's some change of shape. So we're not going to know until, on, until we see them on the day. But um, I'm, I'm looking at some some games they've had in a similar position. So it will be interesting to see kind of what they do exactly to try and counteract that and, and see maybe where there'll be some weaknesses or, or, or where they could potentially hurt us. In terms of the Watford squad that uh, is likely to, to face them, Probably we think the one forced change with Pedro who may not be able to shake off that injury in time. Do you think it'll be a direct swap for, for Ken Semmer? I think it's most likely. Probably the just easiest way to do it, isn't it? I mean, Semmer had that had that nice little rest uh, kind of coming off the bench and he's now should be in a position where he can start the game and, and you feel pretty confident he's going to be able to offer something from that left-hand side. And there's not going to be too much disruption because he's been you know predominantly the starter there. And another start for success, Ryan, or do you think that uh, Gray might come in and um, and... and get that spot ahead of him um i'll have to wait and see i guess um you know i think no one expected success to, to start the last oh well certainly the game against birmingham i think not many were expecting him to to start yesterday so it, we could well see him again um i think uh it's it's probably about 50 50 which one he'll go for at the minute so um it's a, a difficult one to to second guess i think tom cleverly might play a part you yeah. know he, he's back and available from his injury he was rested yesterday as far as I'm aware there's no exacerbation of that injury no you know he, he is still fine still available so we could see him against Middlesbrough that's something that might be in, in Munoz's mind as well Okay, good stuff. My thanks to Jordan and to Ryan for joining me today. You can find those guys on Twitter at Jordan Weimer and Observer Ryan. Uh, please also follow us at Watford Pod and uh, leave us a review on iTunes as well if you can. Uh, we'll be back again to chat after the Middlesbrough game. So until then, enjoy the rest of your uh, your Easter weekend. Happy Easter to all of you. And from Jordan, from Ryan and from myself, it's uh, happy Easter and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.